Hi, my name's John Kasher and welcome to Cash Talk, where there'll be no boundaries and a lot of straight talk. All things money, business, and just everyday stuff. Hey guys, before we get started, just a quick reminder that all the information in this podcast is of a general nature and not tailored to your personal circumstances. So please seek personal financial advice before acting on this information. Hey everyone, and welcome to an episode of Cash Talk. And today on Friday Finance, once again, I'm joined by Mason Thorne. Mason, how are you? You're going well, thanks, John. I'm going well. How about you? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad at all. Today is a uh, very uh, great topic for me to discuss because it's uh, the hopes and dreams of a lot of people that come to see us, which is the ability to retire by 50. And so we'll be going through and unpacking this and what it actually takes to get there. So I know, Mason, we see a lot of clients and obviously they're coming back to us. Sometimes it's 50, sometimes it's 40, sometimes it's 70, um, depending where they're, where they're at. But most people want to be able to kind of retire early. And with most people, the typical age that they see an average Australian kind of retiring is about that kind of 65 range. So for them to be retiring much earlier does take some effort, doesn't it? It does, it does. I think, I think a lot of time too, John, I think a lot of people... They see the age pension age as the age the government is telling them this is when you can retire, and that's like a, a bit of a permission to retire. So currently, that's age sixty-seven. So, and that's probably just going to keep getting longer and longer as we as we live longer, working longer, these types of things. So, sixty-seven is this age where, yeah, I can get the pension now. This means I can retire because I'm not getting any income now from my job, get it from the government instead. But so that's. From 50 to 67, 17 years, if you want to retire at 50, that's a long time to fund yourself for a, a little while. So, yeah, lots you need to do. And as always, it seems to be the earlier you start, the better or the more likely you can get it. Imagine a 49-year-old having this epiphany. In, as a, yes, you can achieve a lot in a year, but can you achieve that much in a year? Maybe not. So starting as early as possible, I think, is the key to retiring by 50. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it does take some effort. There's a few levers that need to get pulled. And I think, you know, starting early is one of the big ones because what that enables you to do is not have to take on some of the risks that you might need to do to have it make it make it much quicker. So when you use that 49-year-old that wants to retire at 50, if they don't have a good base, they're going to be having to take on a lot of risks to enable that to happen in, in 12 months' time. And as you know, taking risk... Um, it can be very, very detrimental to to a lot of people. So being able to kind of step this out as early as possible is the key. But I think the other one that people need to also be appreciative of is that as a human race, we're also living longer. And so the earlier you want to retire, the other risk that needs to be taken into consideration is longevity risk. And for those who don't know what longevity risk, in the most simplest way, it's your money not outliving you. Okay, and you don't want to be walking into your 80s or crawling into your 80s, depending on how you're going at that point in time or even your 90s, and running out of money. Now, obviously, in Australia, we are very fortunate. We've got obviously got social security benefits that will enable you to live your life. But most people, if they've they've become accustomed to a lifestyle that is much much better than the amount that Centrelink's going to pay you, it's going to be very, very hard to you know, adjust your living standards to be um, on that Centrelink, those Centrelink welfare payments. And for the people that are aged, you know, say 50 years and younger now, 
well, what's that welfare system going to be like in 30 or 40 years' time? It's just a completely unknown scenario. So, you know, I think the other one that needs to be to be aware of is the risks that's associated with it. But Mason, let's just start with some of the things that people can do. So what are some of these levers that we pull on to help our clients to realize that dream and become financially free by the time they're 50? Yeah, good, good question, John. So some of the things we need to do, we also need to build wealth. Um, with, without wealth, without money, without an income source coming in, we need some form of wealth and some passive income to fund ourselves for, uh, as we're not working. So as we work, we're earning what they call an active income. We're trading time for money, so to speak. But a key part of retirement is not working. So we don't want to be active in the workplace anymore. So what we need to do is have a passive income source. So it's it's finding out how, how to build that passive income source for you. And there's so many different ways to build a passive income source. I think one of the most popular ways, particularly in Australia, John, is that beloved investment property. Mm. I'll live off the rental income. That's, an, that's something I hear a lot. Is What about you, John? What's some of the other ways we can build this passive income outside of rental income? I think rental income is something that we can all understand quite easily. It's just mm. we get paid rent. We live off that rent. Fantastic. Sounds, sounds pretty simple. Sounds, sounds like the dream. Mm. People accumulating all these properties. But are there other ways we can build passive income, John? Yeah, definitely. So obviously building wealth and passive income is an important factor of obviously retiring early and, and people are probably watching this or listening to this going, oh, no, duh. But it's easy in theory, but pretty hard in practice, okay? You've got to be able to have a system and a framework to be able to apply to your situation. You can't be not consistent. You need to be consistent. Wealth is built over time and is usually done uh, in a boring way, okay? So first and foremost, it's around having that framework allowing you to have some money for today, but have some money for tomorrow. And with that money for tomorrow, there's different asset classes that you can put your money into. So now we've established that you've got a surplus amount of cash flow, and hopefully you've done this as soon as possible. So where do you put it? Now, Mason's talking about property as being one of the levers, the love of Australia and a love of a lot of other countries as well too. So you've got a choice. You can put it into property. You can establish capital gains and passive income. Obviously, capital gains, you need to realize most of that stuff to be able to use it. There are certain factors where we can use those capital gains for some good use later on. But other factors or other areas where you can put them into are things like, obviously, cash, but it's not going to earn you too much, okay? So your money's not going to be working too hard for you. Um, second one is things like fixed income. So Australian fixed income or international fixed income. You can also put your money into things like Australian shares, international shares, global infrastructure, certain things like that to start to build these passive incomes. Now, for most people, they will end up lying, um, having a big portfolio in shares and property, okay? And they're the kind of big two, two, two um, areas where a lot of people would be putting their money to retire early. Now, the main factors of that is because there's two things that they can do. One is they usually exceed inflation, which is obviously a hot topic in 2022 around inflation. Now, inflation is the cost of goods going up each year and essentially your power of your dollars becoming less and less over time as inflation continues to grow. So you need your assets to keep up with the cost of goods going up at least. And property and stocks have been very, very good in doing that over time. And so they're appreciating capital growth, but they also derive you an income. Property being in rental income, shares, being in the form of dividends, okay? 
Now, what we want to be able to do is when we do this as early as possible is to build a framework where we're pushing money into both of those assets. Those asset classes, what they will enable you to do is over time have really, really healthy amounts in those two asset classes. But do remember, it's not about always just chasing the returns. You need to manage the risks. Having too much in one could be detrimental. So being able to diversify is very important. And it doesn't mean just because cash doesn't earn you money, it doesn't have its purpose. I often say that cash is like oxygen, okay? If you, if you, if you, have, if you don't have it for just five minutes, it is absolutely detrimental to you. So you want to be making sure that you've got, you've got that cash for that oxygen to push you through what you need to and, make, and allow you to have the certainty and also for you to have the opportunities. Now, the other asset classes in regards to fixed income, in regards to global infrastructure and things like this, they have their place and their purpose as well. And that is why building a robust portfolio overall in your situation is very important and having this asset allocation. But Mason, the reason why we're doing this and ultimately why we're doing it is to create the highest probability of them achieving their outcome. And one step further is making their money work for them. And this is the key. There's many, many books out there that will tell you it's not about you working for the money. It's about getting your money to start working for you, okay? And that is the key, trying to make that happen as soon as possible. Now, the other thing we have that's, that's a factor in here is also the mental behaviors, the actual taking, having the mindset to actually get you to retire by 50. Because yes, you can have the money management sorted, you can have the framework, you can have all of that. But if you don't have the behaviors and the mental capacity to get you where you want to, you're going to fall short, aren't you, mate? Yeah, it's that's the one of the unfortunate truths of being human, where we have these uh, behavioral things that we've sort of inherited from our ancestors, um, which don't serve us much good today. Uh, they were brilliant for our survival back in the day, but now when it comes to money and things, when we see markets fall, for example, this fear comes in. Survival instincts like, oh, I've got to get out. I've got to get back to back to feeling safe. So that's that's really playing against us when we're trying to build our wealth. Imagine, John, that you, you've got a goal to retire by 50 mm-hmm. and this happened, you're, you're approaching 50, you're late 40s now, the market goes through a bit of a downturn, your whole plan may derail if you decide to sell out and things. So the closer you get to your target, the more likely these behaviours are going to creep up on you and derail everything you've built. So mm-hmm. behaving yourself is key to building this wealth and achieving these things. So it's it's one of the main things we do is to manage these behaviours because they're going to pop up. They're human. Yeah. They impact me. They impact you, John. They impact mm-hmm. all our staff. They impact all our clients. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they haven't figured out a way yet for you not to be human. We're not yeah. robots. Um, robot investors could be could be really good at it, but who, who knows? Maybe they're going to try to pick the market and things. Um, always trying to outsmart things. Artificial intelligence. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think artificial intelligence could even pick the market, John. It's just so unpredictable. Yeah, that's it. And when it comes to investing, behaviors are very, very important to understand. So when you're building this wealth and having all of this money management, understanding that greed and fear and emotional emotions have a place, okay? And I think it's more about having the awareness and keeping them in check, which is very, very important. But I think there's another thing, Mason. And the, the other thing that it is, is that most people want to get fit for summer, but 
but how many people stay fit for life? And what I mean by that is that you have to have the mental discipline to get you where you need to get to. And when I look at my own life journey, I don't look at it because I had an amazing wealth creation strategy that set me up and I put money in it and it just went bang. That's not how it works. It works because it's the commitment, the sticking to the plan, the always wanting to level up, learn more, educate, you know, invest in myself to level up. You know, I'm a financial advisor and one of our team members is one of my financial advisors for me and my wife. Why? Keeps me accountable, keeps me on check, making sure my behaviors aren't, aren't, aren't and my biases aren't taking control of me. And, you know, I'm professional at this. You know, I'm, I'm considered a professional investor. So even for some of the people that are in the profession and in the finance game, we do the exact same thing to make sure that we're consistently getting up. And I'm constantly getting up to the next level. And I, I, I use this as an example. Like you see some of the tennis stars that are going around at the moment, you know, Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, Rafa, uh, you know, sorry, and, and Federer, sorry. You'll see that they've all got coaches. Yeah, like I'd be very, very surprised that Roger Federer's coach knows how to hit a tennis racket better than he does. Yeah, it's not about that. It's about making sure that, you know, Federer's going for that next Grand Slam. He's going to win that US Open. If that's what Federer wants, he's going to have to rock up to training, you know, because if he doesn't, Djokovic is going to be there a little bit earlier. And this is what it takes. This is the commitment and the, the, the level of dedication that you need to become wealthy and retire early. And so... There's two factors to this, that yes, you have to have the money manager, but you've got to have the behaviors. You've got to have the willingness and the consistency and the accountability to get where you need to get to. And by having all of these factors, I can assure you, you are putting yourself on the pathway for, for financial success and probably much even earlier than you anticipate. And I think the last factor, or not the last factor, but one of the, the, the final factors in this as well too, is patience, Mason, okay? You know, this instant gratification world, this, you know, trying to be, you know, the next next get rich quick scheme, you know, trying to be the Mike Burry, trying to time, you know, this. And it's like wealth creation sometimes is like watching the grass grow. Yeah. You can do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. That grass is not going to grow quicker. Yeah, you can try to put some fertilizer in it. You can try and help it, but it still takes time for that grass to grow. Yeah, mm. there's there's things in this world that take time. You know, when you have a baby, it takes nine to ten months. Yeah, look, if you have it early, well, I don't know how it's going to develop, and that's how it comes like wealth creation. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that takes time. Yeah, um, we. We as a society have become instant gratification, yeah, like associated with that. We've become um, impatient because of a lot of this, you know, social media, what we're seeing, other people's successes. But, but sometimes success is built in silence. It's built by being patient. And you and I know the hundreds, if not thousands of people that have achieved financial freedom early have come because they've been patient. Yeah, they've been committed. They've obviously had the other attributes that we've done. But the other one is patience. 
Yeah, hundred percent spot on. Um, the patience, the patience thing is really hard in today's society. It, we see on Instagram, Facebook, and things. We see these overnight successes that have just popped up out of nowhere, and it, it appears they have everything we want. Mm. They, but there's no for me. There's no such thing as overnight success. We we haven't seen what they've done consistently. Over the years, posting. Let's. I'll, I'll use YouTube as an example because it's something where you can all relate to somewhat. We all watch YouTube. Mm-hmm. That channel that's got a million subscribers mm-hmm. didn't start that way. These mm-hmm. person was posting videos when they had no subscribers, and then maybe one, two, three, ten, and they were getting maybe five views per video. Mm-hmm. But they consistently posted content again and again and again. Continue to show up. Keep doing mm-hmm. it. And now they're reaping the rewards of doing that. That commitment, that patience, the okay. years of build up to become that overnight success. Mm. So then we see them, they've got a million, million subscribers and they're earning all this good money, living the good lifestyle. They put in a lot of hard work to get there. Um, and, that, and that's just not YouTube. That's all business, John. When you first started your business, mm-hmm. ground zero, you put in nights, I'm sure, weekends, mm. long hours, trying to find clients. The old hustle culture, you know, you got you're hustling away, building this business up to get yourself where you are today. And it took time, it took patience, it took it took a bit of courage, it took a bit of bit of faith in the process, knowing you're going to show up and to it give you the best chance of success because nothing's guaranteed. Mm-hmm. But to give yourself the best chance, patience is key. And as you as you said, patience, delaying that gratification, mm-hmm. pushing, it's. Yeah, no such thing as no like success. I think crypto has, in a way, I, I bag crypto a fair bit, but uh, it's it's you see it on Facebook and things, and it's just these things with this pump and dump scheme. People getting rich straight away, and unfortunately, these people are getting rich straight away. It's it's at the expense of some other people because the money's got to come from somewhere. So it's kind of people put this money in, they yeah. take it out. There you so go. It's, it's a real shame, um, but yeah. It, it's, it, yeah. It really is. It really is. And so you touched on something about obviously me about business. And, and I think, Mason, this is another thing that we don't speak about often is, is how, how powerful business is. And the main reason why business is so powerful is that if you had to sit it in a risk bucket, you sit it in the high risk bucket, okay? It's the one that, you know, most small businesses fall over, I think it is, in the first three years. Like a lot of businesses don't make it. And this is where the, the we need to talk about this. Business, however, can drive the biggest capital gains and the biggest elevation of income, period. Okay? Bigger than property, bigger than stocks, bigger than bonds, all of them. Business. Yet most people shy away from it because of the risk. Okay? And it's one of the things that I see that if I have to say for all early millionaires, all young millionaires, all people that have significant levels of wealth, they've unlocked three asset classes, property, stocks, and business, okay? And the reason is, is because of the elevation of income, okay? The elevation of income is your ability to earn more. What can you do to earn more money? How can you elevate your income? And if you think about this, there's ways you can do it. You can ask your job, your, your boss for a pay rise. You can get bonuses. You can do side hustles. You can do all that. 
But if you own your own business, elevation of income is uncapped. Yeah, it's the, the potential is enormous. Okay. Now, you know, Mason, obviously working with me, I say to all of my employees that I want you to be a partner in this business, to share in this success and grow together. And what that means for everyone is that you don't need to be the entrepreneur, which is this new flame, you know, that go start your own business, e-commerce, whatever, become a multimillionaire doing business. I'm not trying to say that. You can also be a small shareholder of a big business. I'm pretty sure someone who owns, say, 5% in Google isn't exactly uh, worried about it, okay? So when it comes to business, and when I'm talking about things, I'm talking about getting involved in the business. I'm not just talking about buying stocks. It's an area where people need to consider. Are you just making someone else rich by trading your time for money? Or are you learning to monetize it? Are you learning to grab that and push that forward? Now, I will say with an urge of caution, okay? Go too early in business and suffer the consequences, okay? You need to learn what you're doing. Don't just jump into business, yeah, by going, oh, that area is making a lot of money. I'm going to jump into it, okay? You need to learn. You need to understand the craft. You need to become obsessed with it. A lot of people don't know. Yes, I started the business when I was 20. But remember, I was working in it since I was 14, okay? I had six years of experience before I even tested to go into it. Okay, you can't just do these things overnight. The best successes in business are the people that understand it. Now, take that one step further. It's also remember everything we just talked about wealth creation in regards to consistency, accountability, motivation, all of that stuff. Well, you need to become obsessed in what you do when it comes to business. You've got to learn how to level that up. I often have people come to me and they're like, I want to buy this business. And I ask them the reason why they want to buy it. And they say, oh, because it makes a ton of money. And my, my question besides that is what happens if it didn't make a ton of money? Would you stick to it? No, nah, I wouldn't. Yeah. Now, if you don't have that level of passion for that business, what about the person that does, the other competitor that you've got? Yeah. The one who's doing those weekends, doing those extra hours, reading up about everything, trying to consistently level up. Well, all of a sudden, they're catching up to you. And I can assure you that they're going to pass you. And it's important for us to discuss this because if you look at, for example, like always, like the top 100 most wealthiest people in any country, they've unlocked the three, okay? They've unlocked the properties, they've unlocked the shares, and they've unlocked the business, okay? But it's also not overnight successes. And you don't need to look at wealth and business for this. You can look at sport, you can look at careers, you can look at absolutely anything, okay? Look at Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, if not the GOAT himself, yeah? And he'll constantly tell you about on the lead up to becoming what he was and the amount of missed shots and practice and things that he would do after hours before he became the Michael Jordan that everyone knew about. And it's not just that, you you watch Michael Schumacher, you watch, you know, Tiger Woods, whichever place this is, AFL football, you look at anyone, they will say the exact same thing. So why should it be different when it comes to creating wealth for you to retire early, which by a matter of fact is a rarity. And this is the other thing. What it takes to retire by 50 is everything we discussed, okay? And even when you do all of them, okay, 
There's also one step further, okay? And that's constantly trying to improve. Now, don't chase the money. I'm going to repeat that. Do not chase the money. Chase what the money gives you, the fulfillment in life, the legacy, what you want to leave on this earth, yeah? Because it's that that will make you truly happy. They say that money doesn't buy happiness, okay? And actually, I believe that to be true. The reason is, is because there's some of the poorest people in the world that still have smiles on their face and enjoy themselves, where there's the multi-multi-millionaire that is absolutely miserable. Now, don't get me wrong. Money does help to pay for bills, makes you have a sustained way of living. I get that. But what I'm more trying to say that there, it doesn't mean necessarily if you've got $4 million or if you've got $40 million that your happiness is going to be that much greater, 10 times more, Yeah. Obviously, going from ground zero to four mil might feel exciting and feel lovely, but it's understanding that at the early stages to build that a part of your behavior and part of your habits and a part of your value set so that when you do have four, five, six, seven, ten million dollars, you're not chasing, chasing the money. And how good would that feel when you're living your life fully fulfilled and you're not chasing the money? Guess what? The money's chasing you. I think you raised two spectacular points in that in that little speech you just gave there, John. I think I want to touch on both of them. So that first one I want to touch on is where you said don't chase the money. That grind, if you're the grind's gonna happen whether you love your work or you don't, if you want to succeed. But if you if you're grinding something you really love to do, it's not so much of a grind. But I can't imagine waking waking up early in the morning or working late at night doing something I hated consistently. It's not gonna happen growing that out to retire by age 50, oh, I couldn't imagine anything worse. Like, no wonder you want to retire by 50 because you, you hate it, which gets me to my second point. If you're loving it and you're growing and you're building this business up, you're probably not going to want to retire at 50. Like, have the choice to, fantastic. But because you're loving it so much and you're so passionate about it, the money is just a side piece. The fulfillment is the gold. So you've got the money, fantastic. Your family's looked after. You've built up this legacy. You've got that business and or what are you doing? You don't have to own a business, but obviously business unlocks a lot of wealth for you. But just working, maybe you work in childcare and you just really love working with the kids or you're a teacher and building young minds up is your passion. Fantastic. You don't want, like, that, I think that's the dream, John. Not wanting to retire at 50 rather than having the assets to retire at 50 I'm so passionate what I do. I want to work for my whole life. I never want to retire. That's the dream. I think that's that's what we probably should be aiming for. I know we started this podcast saying how do I retire by 50, but I think let's let's divert. Let's 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 go with let's let's build something that we never want to retire. That's the goal, John. I think. And it's unlocking the purpose, Mason. Yeah, it's unlocking the purpose and being able to live life on your terms, wake up every day and you wanting to work in your business, the business you're in, whatever's going to be the case and finding that purpose. Understanding your why is what it's all for. Why 50? Why 45? Why 60? And always when we delve in a little bit deeper, there's more to the story. And understanding the story that you want is very, very important. Mason, Today has been a great session. I've loved talking about it and you can see probably the passion that I have about this. 
I think a, a, a big thing to remember is that we've got to get this framework done as soon as possible. We've got to build a system. We've got to understand that there's a lot of behavior and mindset and there's a lot of other contributing factors that aren't on the balance sheet or on the cash flow statement. Yeah. We've given you some tips in regards to helping you to level up and maybe accelerate it. You know, is business an option for you? Okay. Looking at assets to, you know, not just keep up with inflation, but exceed inflation. Okay. And, but ultimately understanding your why. Okay. And understanding the way that you want to live life and the lifestyle that you want. So Mason, thank you very much for jumping on, on time uh, on this one again. I'll see you next Friday on another session of Friday Finance. And for everyone else, I hope you really enjoyed this one. And if you're enjoying these, if you're enjoying these uh, podcasts or these videos, feel free to share these with others. Um, we would love to uh, get in front of as many people and help educate Australians as much as possible about the world of finance. So thank you very much. Thanks, John. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cash Talk. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to learn more about me, jump onto my Instagram at, at thejohncasher and you'll find me there or at my website at www.johncasher.com.au. Thanks for listening. Cheers.